Uh, I just believe in the process, and we're, we're going to win going through the process. Now, Bill's Mafia. It's time for the main event. So sit back and enjoy the show. Bill's Mafia, welcome to the Red, White and Buffalo Blues. It's Matt, Robin, Mark's on Good his evening. way, and we're joined by our special guest today, Ryan Tolbert. Ryan, thank you ever so much for, for coming back on the show. I think welcome, it's Ryan. Second or third yeah. time? Yeah, Doing yeah, thanks for, that's right, and love it. Thanks for having me on. Uh, it's good. It's good. It's always good to to talk to talk to you to actually um, obviously read your articles and all that, and it's it's just great fun. I think it's always always good to hear beat reporters themselves um, and and what they do and just interact. And I think it's it's good that we've got the likes of you, Matt Perino, uh, Joe Pascalia, and all that to to really lean on, especially for us in the um, in the UK. Well, hey, you know, that means a lot. And, you know, UK, I, I'm looking forward to uh, traveling over to the UK next year here for a game, a Bills game. That's going to be pretty exciting. Uh, I think 2015 was the last time. Is that right? With yeah. uh, EJ yeah. Manuel and all that. Absolutely. So definitely a much better uh, team coming over that way. So that's uh, a, a good thing for sure. Yeah. And it's all, it's all good. And I say, me and you have spoken about um... – about like collaborating all that and i say the dms are always open and we're um, we're happy to do anything to along with you to help you um to help you out i really appreciate that and um you, you know matt and i are kind of already plotting things out that we want to get covered and you guys sound like you're you're putting together quite the uh, itinerary for bills fans heading that way so it sounds like a great time yes and welcome mark you finally decided yes. to join us <laughs> I've, I've finished watching Manchester United throw away their game against Sevilla. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, so that was rather love now. That that was great. Talk- so let's let's sack them off and talk about a proper football team, shall we? Hey. <laughs> so my God, what- hi Ryan, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing well, Mark. How are you? Yeah, yeah, not too. All, all the better for <laughs> being here and talking to you. That's right. <laughs> so. We'll kick it off with with free agency. Yeah. Um, obviously, we've actually made a few few signings. Obviously, mainly O line. We've actually added some depth at wide receiver. Is it is it a case of just filling the needs like previous to go for a to go for a premium pick in the draft, or is it just a case of you just have to get the numbers because we could take ninety two to camp? Yeah, you know, first and foremost, with free agency, the Bills were hand, you know, their hands were tied in terms of what they could do with with uh, the players available to them. They, they find, you know, teams all find out once you pay a quarterback big money and you start paying other guys too, it, you can't keep everyone. And it's what Buffalo mm. ran into this year. It's what the Bengals will run into in probably two, three years down the road after Joe Burrow gets his deal this off season. Um, it's just kind of the way of the NFL right now. And, and the Bills, they gave Josh Allen a big contract. Stefan Diggs has a big deal. Deion Dawkins, Von Miller, uh, Matt Milano, Trey White, and the list goes on and on. So the Bills kind of then said, okay, we can't get Tremaine Edmonds. We're going to lose him. And this is the first time, though, where Brandon Bean was kind of an inter- interesting spot where, okay, we have a really talented roster. This isn't like 2019, 2020, where we need to go out and add a bunch of guys to try to 
uh, put us in contention. We just got to fill in those gaps in terms of players we think can come in and step up. But we also have to have team friendly deals because Tremaine Edmonds can get the Bills a third round pick in next mm. year's draft as a compensatory pick. So when, when you look at all these deals of, of the players that the Bills are bringing in, for the most part, uh, Connor McGovern's an exception. I think Deontay Hardy's an exception. But most of them are in that uh, $1.7, $1.77 million range uh, for the season. And that doesn't count against the compensatory pick formula. So the Bills are filling gaps. They're adding quality players, um, you know, guys that aren't going to necessarily wow you or knock your socks off. I think Taylor Rapp, though, was an unbelievable deal for yeah. this team. Yeah. Um, so there are some that are better than others. I think Deontay Hardy is a guy that if you play fantasy football, stash him like late, late, last round maybe. Um, I, when healthy, I think he can be a game changer. So I, I'm interested to see how he looks with Josh Allen in this offense. So I, I like what they've done. But now that they've done all of that in free agency, you look at the draft and minus linebacker, that Tremaine Edmonds spot, there's really no glaring needs for this team. And, and that's a good spot to be in if you're the Bills because at pick 27, there's still going to be some really good wide receivers available. There might be one or two decent offensive tackles available. Uh, linebackers, if that is the route they want to go, they're going to have options there. And, and as much as it's going to frustrate some Bills fans, if they want to address the defensive line again, go back to that well, they can do that too. Unfortunately, the defensive line picks have not really I, I do think Greg Russo has been a good addition. Uh mm. so, you know, the, the AJ Apanessa, that's been a, a mixed bag. He got he had his best year last season, but uh disappeared for games at a time at Oliver's same kind of deal. Uh, Boogie Basham, Matt just did a great piece with Boogie Basham, knows it's a make or break year, but really hasn't panned out. So I would understand the frustration if the Bills went defense again and there was these playmakers available, especially also tight end, deepest tight end draft probably in the last 20 years, I would probably say. Uh, so there's opportunities for the Bills to get better on the offense side of the ball, even in the draft. Yeah. I mean, go on. Does anyone want to jump in? I know you want to. I mean, I, I, from my point of view, I think there's a couple of things, isn't there? I, I tell I'll take your point about linebacker. Do you think there's any reason, Ryan, why the Bills have chosen not to bring in anybody in free agency when there was a couple of guys available um, that, that, that we were linked with quite a lot? Do you think that's because they were looking to address this in the draft or is it because they didn't think the talent was there in free agency or the money wasn't there? I would say money in certain situations. Um, they definitely, and this isn't just linebacker. There have been players that the Bills have been linked to on the defensive line, for instance, where uh, the interest is there, the interest is mutual, but the Bills won't go over a certain dollar point. And, and again, it's to save the compensatory pick. It's to get that third round pick. But here's where it gets interesting, guys. After the draft is over, early May, I, I want to say it's May 2nd. I have to look that date up. But early May, the Bills can sign any free agents that are still available. And even if they offer them and they restructure some deals and they offer someone a one-year $4 million, one-year $5 million, it no longer affects the compensatory pick formula. So the oh, Bills nice. could go out and get a Yannick and Dockway, a Frank Clark off the edge and say, hey, you're going to be our guy until Von Miller's back. And then we're going to have a really nice rotation when Von Miller's back and healthy. Um, they could go and address a linebacker because here's the, the beauty of the draft too. If the Bills don't take a uh, one of these top three, top four linebackers in the draft class, 
there's going to be one or two solid veterans that get cut post-draft because teams are going to move on from big deals, big contracts, and they're going to address it via the draft. That always happens too. So uh, I think, again, it came down to dollars and cents. They like Levante David, for instance. That would have been interesting because of uh, what they would have been running, how that defense would have looked. He's not a traditional uh, middle linebacker type of player, Mm -hmm. but uh, the, the interest was there. The money just didn't match up. What about Devin White? Is it would there be any way you'd see the Bills making a play for him? Obviously, in his in his fifth year, obviously it's what eleven million um, mm-hmm. cap hit and all that. Apparently, wants out. Do you see a scenario at all, maybe after the draft, where they actually get a um, try and look for a deal for for Devin White by any chance? You know, in terms of a fit, it makes a lot of sense, but then you're kind of back to square one at linebacker when it comes to, okay, we didn't want to give Tremaine Edmonds $17 million. Mm. I'm guessing the Bills are probably in that $13, $14 million range where they were comfortable. Uh, Devin White, even if he came over for a year, the Bills in one year from now are going to be in that same spot where, well, we don't really have the money to pay you or we're not comfortable paying you this amount of money. And then, you know, maybe if they let him go, they're in the same spot next year with a compensatory pick in 2025. So I guess it could work in that light. (laughs) Um, But there are some options in this year's draft. Jack Campbell, Trenton Simpson. um, I'm blanking on the Arkansas linebacker's name. Drew Sanders. Yeah. Um, Sanders is, you know, it's funny. His NFL uh, comp is Tremaine Edmonds in terms of the athleticism, in terms of of the um, ability to cover. Um, so they could go that route too. And and it could be at 27. It could be a trade down. I think one of them could fall all the way to the into the second round too, because kind of like running back linebackers, that position where uh, teams don't covet it as much as they once did. So I, I think someone talented, whether it's one of those three or, or maybe that next tier of linebacker, the bills could get on day two of the draft. How, how do you how comfortable are you um, if we if we are looking at linebacker in the draft, which makes a bit of sense, I guess, as as you rightly point out, it's one of the few positions of need that's the, the glaring middle linebacker. Where do you fit from uh, bringing in a guy like that? Are, are we expecting that person to come in and be the Tremaine Edmonds playing, like calling the plays for the defense, or is it a is that going to get passed off somewhere else? And how do you think that plays out? Yeah, that would be my biggest concern. If you bring in a rookie, are you really going to depend on them to to call in the plays where, you know, Edmonds knew this defense in and out. He's been here yeah. since 2018. He learned that on the fly and and the, a rookie could do the same. But you also have a lot of veterans, whether you're talking Matt Milano, that could kind of take the job early on in terms of calling the plays, making sure the rookie doesn't have too much on their plate. Um Maybe unorthodox, but you could go to to uh, a member of your secondary, one of the safeties there. Obviously, Poyer and Hyde know the ins and outs of this defense, too. The communication aspect of it, though, has always been more of a linebacker position. So I would think that it would be Matt Milano uh, maybe early on in the season and then maybe midway in the year when when that rookie, for example, you know, has their feet wet, knows this defense more. Maybe then mm-hmm. they kind of hand it over to them. Um, but but that's the interesting part of this, too. And it wouldn't shock me if the Bills do take a linebacker with one of their first two or three picks and maybe not start them immediately, because that's the other thing they kind of slow play these guys. And I think that would really frustrate this fan base to a certain extent, uh, because, <laughs> well, and I saw 
I'm, I'm kind of going off tangent here. I saw late in the season, the bills were in the bottom 10 of rookie snaps played uh, over the uh, certain span of time. And part of it was like, well, okay, they have established players here, 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 and here. You're not going to get on the field, but uh, I thought that Kyrie Elam should have played a lot more last year. Yeah. Um, I, there's been, I thought James cook deserved a, a bigger mm-hmm. role. They don't run the ball a lot. I get that. Uh, but you drafted him as the best pass catching back in, in the draft class. And I don't feel like he was utilized enough in that role. Mm-hmm. Um, the linebacker Terrell Bernard wasn't used really much at all. And, and again, I get it. You have Edmonds, you have Milano. Uh, he came in for one game when there was an injury and he, he did look terribly out of place. So you hope that from year one to year two, he gets more comfortable. He builds up the the muscle mass, the frame that you're looking for. Um, but some Shakir, of the picks there as well. Never, never barely saw. Yeah, Shakir's a, a guy that late in the season he was finally getting twenty to thirty reps per game, and it's because he had clearly established himself as the best blocker of those guys <laughs> that could play out of the slot, and the Bills value that. And you know, I I try not to buy into social media, but I love the, the working out with Eric Molds. I love the work that he's put in this offseason. Um, I'm interested to see what he looks like uh, in year two for this team because coming into the draft, or after the draft, I should say, a lot of people were saying that was like the Buffalo's best pick. You you could have taken him on day two of the draft, and a lot of the draft analysts wouldn't have scoffed at the idea, and then they end up getting him in round five. So, um, yeah, it, it comes down to if you whoever you draft in round one, I want to see a – I want to see this player on the field. So if it's a wide mm. receiver, I get you have Stefan Diggs. I get you have Gabe Davis, but make sure there is a role for them. If it's Zay Flowers, you put him right in the slot right away. Uh, yeah. Game changer in terms of the separation. If it's one of these tight ends, I think it makes a lot of sense. Not necessarily in, in round one, because there's only a few guys that I would uh, tinker with there at number 27. But if you take a guy in round two, get him on the field. All last training camp. The Bills were really trying to run those two tight end sets with Dawson Knox and O.J. Howard, and Howard just did not run very well. He lost all that explosiveness due to injuries in his career uh, with the Buccaneers and, and just never looked like that former first-round pick, and, and it kind of hurt the Bills in season because Quentin Morris showed some traits. He had some nice games, some nice moments, but I don't think they were depending on him to play such a big role last year. So if you go out and get one of these guys, if they haven't had a pre-draft visit with Michael Mayer, and that's really been big for the Bills with first-round picks. But Michael Mayer is a guy that you bring in, and it eliminates that Bobby Hart role of the eligible Mm. lineman playing that second tight end. This guy's a mauler. I would trust him day one being out there blocking, and he'll never wow you with his athleticism, but he gets open, he catches the ball, uh, and, and he makes plays. He, you know, he, he's been called baby Gronk uh, since his freshman year at Notre Dame. And, he, and he's shown that ability. So guys like him, Dalton Kincaid's not as much of a, as a great of a blocker, but talented pass catcher, special type of player, get a guy that you're going to utilize and bring in. And maybe that is a linebacker. If you're going to say, okay, we're going to give you a competition against Tyrell Dodson against Terrell Bernard uh, against Balin Specter. But if he's your first round pick, you, you should be leaning his way is if things are even remotely close at the end of training camp. Yeah. Ryan, can I, can I, can I ask a question? I just want sure. to get my favorite pre, pre-draft crush out of the way, Darnell Washington, which was the the, 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 the sort of two part that I was going to ask. So the Bills was making these signings in free agency. And the phrase I used a couple of episodes ago was, it's like they fixed the floor. It's like they fixed the hole. 
of the ship. But one of the things that a lot of people were saying last year, including all of us on the on the podcast, was outside of Stefan Diggs on the offense, there's a real lack of that real impact. Um, you know, top quality blue chip. You know, pick your mm-hmm. pick your phrasing. The the floor of the uh, of the Bills team, I think, is very strong. No obvious weaknesses, but perhaps there's not enough, as we saw against the Bengals, as we saw in the playoffs, not enough real impact players, real difference makers, and that sort of brought me on to Darnell Washington. And you mentioned a couple of players there in tight end. Surely there's a there's a demand there. And dare I say, move up to get the guy that you want to make a real impact player that that just does something that that, that they can't, they haven't been able to do in the past. Yeah, that's exactly. And you mentioned Darnell Washington by name, and I joked on last night's episode of Shout that he was off my draft board because uh, these players always share pictures when they're on their pre-draft visit. And he shared a picture of what looked like a shanty with the Bills logo, and and like there's nothing around it. It looked like a scene from like a Mad Max movie, and like <laughs> there was like no sign of civilization. So I kind of joked about that, but you know Washington's a a unique prospect. He's he's kind of like a unicorn, kind of like a Josh Allen was at quarterback, where he's this big moldable ball of clay. He wasn't even the best tight end at Georgia last year, uh, and. and Obviously, um, that showed because their their other pass catching tight end it wasn't eligible for the draft this year, but won the the top tight end award that they give out in college. But huge guy um, has the frame to be this great blocker. You're going to have to work him up in that a little bit. Um, but you know the wingspan, the size, the the yeah. red zone possibilities for this guy. Uh, it's all intriguing and I'm sure the bills have done their due diligence leading up to the draft. I'm sure that, um, with the top 30, they they probably looked at some film with him, picked his brain. That's all part of it. You meet the coaches, you check out the facility, Mm. you watch film with the guys. You don't generally work out because that falls into the private workout range. Uh, but they, they could have done work with him at Georgia, uh, at the pro day, things like that. But, you know, he's definitely one of those guys that I'm sure was on their radar um, from the pro day on, uh, even leading up to it. The testing numbers are off the chart. So he's someone that you definitely keep in mind. And whether it's at 27, whether if you love him enough to move up a few spots, by all means, do so. And and the beauty of the draft is, you know, we, we've talked about Washington as this first round pick all draft. He could fall into round two that, you know, mm-hmm. there's always those players that we, we talk a lot about, and then all of a sudden, day two, they're sitting there at the top of the draft board, and you're, you're thinking, man, why are they falling? And it might be fit. It might be need for teams. Uh, knowing that this is such a deep, tight end draft, there are, there are literally guys in round four of this year's draft that I think you could uh, get to start as rookies. So that's how deep it is. Mm-hmm. So a team might say, hey, we really like this guy. But we also really like this pass rusher, Nolan Smith. We really like this offensive lineman. And and that's a bigger need for us where we know that there's more talent at the tight end position than edge rusher, for instance, which does kind of fall off of a cliff at a certain point. Yeah. So, obviously, I think one of the the things of last season, it's been dressed slightly, as we've mentioned, um, with Conor McGovern and David Edwards on there. Obviously, we've re-signed a fair few of our own... um, free agent um, O-lineman. Are we now seeing, especially with Edwards and, and McGovern, seeing Cromer trying to put his stamp on this offensive line? And obviously last year and previous Cromer years, we've seen them use that pin and pull run scheme to work. And do you think that's something that we could see um, Dorsey 
bring back in? And is there anyone in the draft that would fit that that sort of mold? That like pin pull, get your guard out in front of your running back, and actually <laughs> pancake and smash a uh, smash a defensive player <laughs> to the ground. There definitely are. I just don't know if the Bills are going to go high for a player like that, especially because of the names you mentioned. And, you know, Connor McGovern isn't going to get you front page news stories like Von Miller did last year or anything like that. But he was a really solid, steady player for the Dallas Cowboys. And truth be told, even though I, I guess it sounds like they're going to try to start him out at left guard, I think right guard is the position where you want to have him. Um, when Zach Martin was out and he played there, I thought he was even better at right guard than he was at left guard. And he was solid at left guard. Uh, so that was a nice signing early in free agency. David Edwards is the signing and he wasn't a free agent last year, but, uh, you know, I'll explain, I guess, better as I go on. He's the guy I would have liked to seen Aaron Cromer sign last year instead of a Roger Saffold where Saffold had experience, obviously, with Aaron Cromer, but he's 34 years old. He's no longer in his prime. He no longer can do the things that you had him do in your first stint with him, where David Edwards, again, wasn't a free agent last year, um, but he is the younger guy. He's the guy that is still getting better. In year one to year two that he was with Cromer, he got he was really good. He went from, I think, like nine penalties in his first season to maybe like uh, – one or two uh he his grades in terms of run blocking pass blocking what got really really good and the only reason that they were able to get him so cheap is he does have a, a history with concussions so mm -hmm. if i'm david edwards though i'm looking at the bills i'm looking at these facilities that they have uh top you know notch mm -hmm. in the nfl i'm looking at mitch morse who plays center on this line he has a history of concussions I'm literally talking to him about, you know, what has this team done to kind of protect you, to, to look out for you? I, I'm reuniting with Cromer because on the short-term deal, if I play really good football this year and I stay healthy, I can cash in somewhere else because if you're going to be a valuable lineman for a team in this league, teams are going to give you that money. So I do really like what they've done at guard. I wouldn't be shocked if they add another guard in the mid-rounds. They did re-sign mm -hmm. like Butker as well. Um, so, and Ryan Bates coming back again, Bates is interesting. They moved him to right guard last year because Saffold comes in. I thought he was better at left guard before yeah. Saffold came along. Yeah. So I, I'm hoping, you know, maybe the bills aren't showing their hand yet. I'm hoping that when it comes time to actually put the pads on and start practicing, they flip those guys. They put Ryan mm. Bates at left guard. Uh, they let McGovern play right guard. They let Edwards compete for one of those two starting spots because, that's legitimate competition. The glaring hole on the offensive line to me is at right tackle. It, it's Spencer mm. uh, Brown. And, you know, I, I get it when they drafted him third round. Um, all the traits are there. Athletic, athletic guy. Didn't play his final season of college because of, uh, the team didn't play the COVID rules, things like yeah. that. He didn't want to transfer elsewhere. Last year, uh, he, you know, he lost valuable time in his first true off season as a pro because of this back injury that he sustained. He had to have back surgery. He missed a lot of reps at training camp. Um, I don't necessarily agree with Brandon Bean that he got better as the year went on. I actually thought that he got worse. And listen, Brandon Bean's a GM. I'm a beat reporter. There's a reason he's in his spot. And, and that's, and I, you know, I respect what he says, but I look at Spencer Brown and I say, Maybe he does take that leap in year three, but with all the pieces that you have on this roster, do you really want to depend on someone on that word hope, hope that he's mm. going to take that jump? 
hope that this guy that has a history of back injuries, that wasn't just the back surgery last year, he's he's had a history of back injuries, that he's going to take that next step. I'd rather bring in a legitimate competition in round one or round two, push him for that yeah. starting job. And if he ends up being your swing tackle, that being Spencer Brown, you could do a whole lot worse. Uh, I'm sure Brown wouldn't be thrilled with that, but that's the whole point. It's not to coddle these players. It's to bring competition, protect Josh yeah. Allen. If you get a blue chipper like a, a Darnell Wright um, at right tackle from Tennessee, I think that line's really good. I think Josh Allen has at least an extra half second to stay in the pocket, maybe even more than that. And that's all the difference in the world. I feel like he lost confidence in his line as the year went on. And he, he started taking off and jumping out of the pocket earlier than he had to because he said, man, there are times where Roger Saffold's missing his block. There are times, there were times where Deion Dawkins, you know, one of their best linemen was missing his assignment and letting guys get around him. He had an up and down year. Uh, the, and obviously the same can be said for Spencer Brown and Questenberry had to be in there at times. It was a rough year for the offensive line. So I, I like what they've done thus far. I really think mm-hmm. you, you can, you can, uh, Take it to that next step, though, in the draft early on. Yeah. Do you think we've done? Do you think we've done enough with it, Ryan? It's like I, I think back to the the game that ended our season, where against the Bengals, where our, our offensive line was essentially a revolving door, and it, there were there were calls at the time for Cromer to go because of what he's done with the offensive line, a lack of what he's done with it. He's still in position. Essentially, the offensive line, except for. Um, except for Conor McGovern, is the same five players as things stand. Um, is, is it enough, do you think? Or are we expecting everything to change? Because in my head, there was there was calls for things like where the Bengals a couple of years ago spotted a, spotted a hole and changed four of the five of their offensive line. And that, yeah. by the end of the year, started to become a really solid unit. That We, we just seem to have stuck with a lot of what was causing the problem last year. Yeah. And, you know, I don't want to keep giving them the excuse of cap space, but that's kind of what it does come down to. You look at, at the Bengals, they're able to afford in Orlando Brown this year. And a few years ago, it was the chiefs that were able to uh, trade for him and give him a, a sizable deal. But those teams have also hit on some prospects, especially the chiefs in the draft where <clears throat> the bills have yeah. not. Uh, and, and the Bills had a chance to get Creed Humphrey, and they took Boogie Basham in that 2021 draft, and we've seen how good Humphrey uh, has become for them. Now, they had Mitch Morse at the time. They still have Mitch Morse. Maybe they didn't want to start out Humphrey as a guard. They didn't want to just sit him on the bench. Um, so I, I get where you're coming from. Are they getting better? I, I truly believe that, one, De- uh, Deion Dawkins, Mitch Morse, Ryan Bates, they're all going to be much better going into year two under Aaron Cromer. I think Cromer had one of the toughest jobs on this team last year, coming in, inheriting that offensive line where Mm -hmm. you said it, maybe he didn't have a lot of guys that fit what he wanted to do. And you had a first year offensive coordinator and you're kind of figuring things out on the fly. Like, okay, what, what do you want me to do with this line to help your offense? And now after one year together, you can kind of mesh and say, Here's where we need to get better on the line. I can get this guy that I had with me on the Rams. We can go out and get Connor McGovern, who's been a sound, sound guard for this team. We like what Ryan Bates had done uh, at left guard the year before. Let's let him try there again. Um, I, I feel like when it comes to Dawkins, for instance, his up and down year, you're only as good as the player next to you. 
Mm-hmm. And when the left guard position was struggling with Roger Saffold, that takes your toll on you as a tackle because, you know, you might see someone coming in to a certain gap and your assignment, you have your eyes on that, but you're also trying to help out the person next to you uh, because they're, you, they're clearly overwhelmed. They're clearly not in position, this, that, or the other. So I, I do think that they've done enough based on the resources that they have. If they would have had 30, 40, 50 million dollars in cap space, I would have liked to have seen them splurge on a big name <coughs> offensive lineman for sure. Uh, but that's just not the way it was this year. So if they go out though and they draft a tackle in round one or round <coughs> two, that shows me that they are truly very serious. Or maybe it is a tight end that is a dual threat to block and, and catch yeah. the ball. That shows me that they're serious because. Uh, you do have all the pieces to be a Super Bowl team here for this foreseeable future. As long as Josh Allen's here, you're a Super Bowl contender. But, you know, it, it's going to get harder every year with the cap space, with guys getting older. They were very lucky to be able to get a Jordan Poyer back uh, this year at safety. But as these guys get older, too, you know, you only have so many more years of prime Stefan Diggs. Um, mm. y- you want to make sure that you're getting the most out of Mitch Morse in these final years of his career at center. Deion Dawkins, you, you know, when this contract ends up, he'll be a little older in age too. Is that someone you want to invest in as well? So, yeah, they're kind of also racing against the clock in a lot of positions. I kind, I kind of think, and it, it will pay me to say this: that the Chiefs kind of have the blueprint actually um, going forward. Because obviously, in previous years, um, Bean has always been more reactive rather than actually planning forward. I the first game against the Chiefs in the in the championship game, he actually decided to go after the next couple of years, focus on the defensive line and all that. But yet the Chiefs, they've actually drafted a year or two ahead and mm. spent most of their draft capital on protecting Mahomes. So obviously with Creed Humphreys, Trey Smith, and free agency a couple of years back again, Joe Tooney and Jawan Taylor. We, yeah. we obviously we heard Bean in his presses saying that how he is about protecting Allen. Obviously, hopefully, if he if he's doing that, you could see, as you say, a round one or two offensive lineman. Is that something that really they need to focus a little bit more on? Especially when, as you say, after the draft, once the um once the the cutoff for the compensatory um pick actually um, ends, could you see them trying to find that? relatively experienced but young offensive lineman to come in and actually um, help protect Josh Allen. Yeah, linemen will be tough because every team is, is always trying to stockpile linemen. I, I think that after the with the compensatory picker after that time period's gone up, I think that's the pass rusher time where you go and you get one of those established guys there. You know, the, the Chiefs obviously with the offensive line have done a really good job of drafting and adding guys in free agency, but you know, kudos to them just for their draft class last year. They they nailed a lot of those picks. And even a guy like Sky Moore, who they didn't get a lot out of as a rookie, uh, they, they got enough out of him. And from round one to round seven, where they took Isaiah Pacheco, they had guys that stepped right in and, and played a role for them. And that's where this team has struggled. I, I don't feel like they've drafted especially well in the past few years. You know, uh, Sean McDermott in his first draft in 2017, because Brandon Bean wasn't here yet as GM, he had some great hits. Tredavious White, obviously. And, and, you know, people always point at the trade that landed Mahomes in in Kansas City. I get that. But they ended up getting Trey White in that draft. Deion Dawkins, Taron Johns. They they got a lot of really good players 
uh, or not, not Taron Johnson, uh, Matt Milano, excuse me, yeah. in, in that draft class. And then the following year it was Taron Johnson in that one with Josh Allen and Tremaine Edmonds. And, and he left, but they had Harrison Phillips. They, they drafted really well those two years. And then it's kind of fallen off a little bit. They, they've had then, some, wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they, they've, they have not had a Pro Bowl player since then. And, you know, listen, the Pro Bowl is a relatively low bar nowadays. That's not exactly mm-hmm. like uh, what it was Total in the early 90s. Yeah. <laughs> it is kind of like a popularity contest, and, it, and it's uh, not what it used to be. But, man, you, you would hope you could get one of those guys some – some kind of uh, or a guy that could compete for an all pro spot, but they've whiffed on some guys. They've, they've mm-hmm. taken some players where maybe they've outsmarted themselves. Um, there is the year they took like Jake Fromm in round five. And, and I get, maybe you think he has developmental traits where you can d- develop him and maybe trade him off for assets down the road, but there's probably a good player on the board at that point that you could have plugged in immediately. And, um, yeah. it, it's, it's, there, there have been some head scratchers and, and I get where he's been late in the draft some years where he says, well, there's not going to be a lot of undrafted free agents that want to come to Buffalo because we only have so many jobs. So we're trying to add a, a lot of guys late in the draft here and there. Well, they're losing those guys. Those guys are getting picked up off waivers after the bills cut them on final cuts and they can't even sneak them onto their practice squad. There was Jack Anderson, um, there was Rashad that's wild it. goose a few years ago. Oh, yeah. Um, and that's just how it goes. And I'm not saying that either of those guys have panned out for these other teams, but I almost feel like the bills are outsmarting themselves at mm. times where you have a, a really good player. You had a solid player in Creed Humphrey a few years ago in round two, and you passed on that. Um, don't just sit there and say, well, you know, we, we like this linebacker because we have a hole there with Tremaine Edmonds gone. If you think that there's an, a potential all-pro wide receiver or offensive lineman, this, that, or the other on the board, go with that player, even if there's not a hole there right now. Because like you said, the Chiefs are thinking not just this year. They're thinking a year, two years down the road, and it's really panning out for them. And, and now, mm-hmm. you know, the Bills who have tried to build their roster up to beat the Chiefs, and they've done so in the regular season the last two years, well, now it's not just the Chiefs. It's the Bengals who obviously stomped them in the playoffs this past season. And, and you look and, you know, the East is going to be a lot tougher this year with the Jets when they eventually trade for Rodgers, with the Dolphins. Uh, you have teams, uh, other teams in this conference, too, where I, I do think that with Sean Payton, the Broncos are going to be better. I don't think they're a Super Bowl contender, but they're going to be a competitive team. I love the the Chargers roster. Every year they find yeah. a way to disappoint or choke or do something <laughs> weird. Uh, but I do love that roster. And Jacksonville's getting better. So, yeah. th- and, and oh by the way, you, you know you have uh, two teams in the top three in the AFC in the Colts and in the Texans. That if they hit on a quarterback, they're going to be competitive sooner rather yeah. than later too. So it, it just gets tougher and tougher. You can't just sit there and say, "Well, we need to be able to beat this team." Because they're our main rival. Every team is getting better every year. And there's going to be another team that's going to come up maybe and, and be a team like the Bengals in these next few years. Yeah. yeah. So um, so if we move if we move on to the draft and all that. So positive, um, isn't it, guys? Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. That was a real bummer. <laughs> I just about got last season out of my system as well. I was starting to feel positive. Oh, man. <laughs> Um, I noticed, Ryan, one of the like when you're talking about pick 27, um, and you're talking about you know all pro wide receivers, tight ends, 
do we take a tackle? Do we take a linebacker? You've never you've never mentioned anything that I've heard. Um, you guys talk about a, a certain Bijan Robinson. Hmm. Is that someone that you discount completely at twenty seven? I don't think he'll be there at twenty seven. I know that's been the, the the draft. I think it goes ten to the Eagles. That's been my gut feeling. I, I feel like he's going to go a lot higher than people have thought. And and to be fair, he's a talented enough player to be a top ten pick, despite being a running back. Yeah. I just look at what the Bills are doing, and as good as Bijan Robinson is, they have a solid one through three right now. They're looking at Latavius Murray. They had him in for a visit. He's someone that's run for over five hundred yards the last eight years. Um, as kind of like a rotational piece. So he's a solid guy. Mm. And I get none of them are Bijan Robinson. If you take a Bijan Robinson, you're already hurting the stock of James Cook, who you just took with the second round pick last year. And, and that's where that's where it kind of blurs for me. I get that Bijan Robinson is a special player. If he's there at 27 and the Bills take him, I'm not against it. Mm. But you just spent a second round pick last year on James Cook. You've spent a day two pick on Devin Singletary, who's no longer with the team, and Zach Moss, who's no longer with the team. But you've already kind of allocated some assets to that position over the years, and what do you have to show for it? I thought Singletary was a very solid player, don't get me wrong, um, but not a, not this guy that got you over the hump. Zach Moss was a complete uh, you know, swing and a miss. Bijan Robinson is not going to be a swing and a miss if the Bills end up drafting him. I just don't think he's there at 27. I, I truly think that uh, there's a team in the top, 15 that takes him but i have him pegged to the philadelphia eagles because i'm sitting there if i'm the eagles and i say hey we have this great roster already we have this special uh super bowl run last year and there's no reason to think they can't do that in a very weak nfc for Mm -hmm. the foreseeable future let's get this blue chipper running back uh that takes some some pressure off of jalen hurts that makes it hard for teams to focus in solely on aj brown um, we, they already have a solid line. I mean, if they address their lines or uh, their secondary, I would understand it. But I think you, they're in a great position to take the most, the best player. And at that point, I think it could be Bijan Robinson. So, yeah, I, I haven't mentioned Robinson, uh, but it, it's mostly in my mind he won't be there. Yeah, that's fair. fair. Piggybacking just on 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 the back of that, right? On the back of that, Ryan, I'm, I'm thinking of the best two wide receivers because if I if I was a general manager, and I'm, I'm probably never going to be, um, I'm thinking wide receiver. Uh, the, the still a chance, Robin. Still yeah, a chance. Never say never, I fear the sun is setting on my chances. <laughs> um, but if I were, I'm thinking you know, the, the two ones that, 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 that come to mind were say Flowers and, and uh, uh, Jordan Addison uh, as the two. And I, I suppose I'd, I'd like to parlay that into my, my next question, which is if you look at, I think Seattle are picking at 20, aren't they? Tampa at 19. Uh, Chargers at 21. I think 6 and 18 for Seattle. But um, right, yeah, yeah, they're, they're in that range, yeah. Oh, fine, fine, fine. Um, oh, I'll have to do my thing. Um, <laughs> what, I mean, if, if they've still got the player that's sitting there, because I've run I've run a few mock drafts, mm-hmm. I've run them and Zay Flowers is, is, is in that sort of 10 to 20 sort of, sort of range. Do they pull the trigger on that? Do they, do they, move, do they move up? Is... is is wide receiver two worth trading up for? What do you give up for? And how high do you go up for? If I can answer that in two parts. Yeah. So in terms of how far to trade up, I, I think the Bills would the highest they should try to trade up is like pick 20. Uh okay. seven, uh, you know, a move of seven is not going to 
Um, take away a lot, you know, a lot of your picks this year or many of your valuable ones next year. You know, you could always even keep in mind with that Tremaine Edmonds third round pick next year, trade your third round pick in 2024. You're number 27 this year. You're going to get a third round pick back with Edmonds. You're really not mm. truly losing a third round pick. You're just losing that extra pick that you had if you wanted to trade up. In, in terms of the guys to trade up for, Smith and Jigba, uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba out of Ohio State has been that guy that's kind of taken over the conversation as wide receiver one. I love his game. Uh, if he was there 2021, I would consider moving up for him. Zay Flowers is probably my favorite receiver in this draft class. I, I love his able uh, his ability to separate. Uh, he's a really good route runner. I, I just think that uh, had he had you know better quarterback play, he really would have uh, maybe establish himself as the top receiver in this draft class. So if, if the Bills take him, you know, he's more of the frame of a slot receiver. You could play him on the outside. The, the Bills wouldn't shy away from that or giving him some time on the outside over time. Um, I'm not sure if I trade up 21 in, in range like that, like I would maybe a Smith and Jigba. But if he's there 24, mm-hmm. 25, I would consider it. And I'm really glad you mentioned Addison. This goes back to... Uh, draft analysts, um, even guys like my, myself that cover a team. Back in January, Addison was wide receiver number one. He's a former Bolitnikoff winner when he was at Pitt, caught over 100 passes, put some obscene line. I think he had 17 touchdown uh, receptions that year. He goes to USC last year, has a fine season <coughs> there uh, as well. And he was this clear-cut wide receiver one in this draft class, going top 10. And then, you know, the combine happens. And this is what always happens. The underwear Olympics teams kind of look at the frame of him. Well, he's not as muscular or as put together as a Smith and Jigba, or uh, he doesn't have the same kind of muscle mass as a Zay Flowers. And and they pick holes Mm -hmm. in these players where this guy's been exceptional two years in a row, two different programs, two different offenses, And now you're sitting there saying he might be wide receiver three. He might be wide receiver four or five because Quentin Johnston, depending on where you Mm -hmm. fall on him, he's, you know, the conversation there is, is he in a wide receiver or is he an athlete? Well, if Mm -hmm. you have a special quarterback, I think that you can make an athlete into a pretty special wide receiver. Um, Don't, don't overthink a Quentin Johnston. Like a lot of teams did DK Metcalf a few years ago where, well, you know, he he looks great, but is he an NFL wide receiver? Well, yeah, he is. He's shown he is. Um, But now, yeah, now Addison, it's so funny. He was wide receiver one before all these, uh, before the combine, before this pre-draft process took place. And now he could be wide receiver four or five. And if he's sitting there at 27 and the bills take him, I think that's a win for Buffalo. I think, you're getting someone that might end up being the best wide receiver in this draft class when all is said and done. And because people have picked holes in his game for the last few months, he's fallen down these draft boards a little bit. Uh, So I I wouldn't be against that pick either. I mean, obviously we foresee, obviously we only got six picks this year. You say you can use, we potentially use our third round and obviously hopefully keep the third round from next year on there. Obviously could they, could you see a, round 27 plus a player as a pick or and i've been reading matt perino's um mock draft obviously see a quarterback needy team and his example was obviously the rams actually Mm -hmm. moving up to to trade with us so we get obviously their number 36 and actually um then build there get a couple more a couple more picks in the second round 
to actually work a little bit more with a few more options on the table. Yeah, l- listen, I mean, everyone talks about trading down and, and how it's a win. You, you need a partner to trade down with. That, mm. That's what it comes down to. And just like trading up, um, you need a partner to trade down with. And, and I do think there are some teams that are going to miss out on the top two quarterbacks in this draft. Maybe the top three where you fall with uh, Richardson. I think he is the number three quarterback in this draft class. But then when it comes to Will Levis and it, and it comes to um, a Hendon Hooker, uh, there's going to be guys that are going to slide down the draft board a little bit, and that might be the Will Levis. Uh, Hendon Hooker, you know, he's all of a sudden just in the last week or two come into this conversation. Is he quarterback number three? Well, I don't think he is. I think he's about 25 years old. Um, mm-hmm. That's the big knock on him. He, he played great at Tennessee. He suffered a, a pretty serious injury. I, I think he's someone, though, that if you're a, a GM, and especially the Rams, I love that Matt used the Rams. The Rams have a Lombardi trophy, a recent Lombardi trophy in their trophy case. So I can't criticize them too much, but they have given away draft picks like it's candy. They have, mm-hmm. they're, they're, you know, the future looks bleak, but mm. if you get a franchise quarterback, you can turn things around quickly. Matthew Stafford's getting toward the end of the of the road here. Back injuries, just getting older in general. So they are a team that I could see wanting to move up from round two to round one. It's so important for these teams to go into the end of round one to get a quarterback because of that fifth-year option. If you hit on a quarterback, you know how much money quarterbacks make. If you can get a guy late in round one, one, that's not terrible on the rookie pay scale uh, mm. for a quarterback, especially. And then you can pick up their fifth year option and get that uh, that team controlled salary for one extra year before you have to pay them millions upon millions. It just makes so much sense. And then the bills can slide down. They want extra picks. I'm sure they do. When you only have six entering this draft and, and you still have some needs to address i I just talked about how this team's getting older at key spots they Mm. do have to think year two years down the road three years down the road um and and they could do that they could take a a joe Tipman in round two a a center to be the heir apparent to mitch morse they could take one of those linebackers in round two they could still get one of these great tight ends in round two you know there's going to be players that fall right into their laps there and you don't need a fifth round or a fifth-year option, excuse me, on a linebacker or a tight end or a receiver. Uh, mm. As nice as that can be, you know, that's that's where quarterback comes into play. And, yeah, so Will Levis, a Hendon Hooker late in round one, I could see a team wanting to move up there. And that's – if I'm the Bills, I'm listening. Uh, if there's a someone on their draft board that still has a first-round grade, maybe they don't end up moving down. But that's mm. the hard part when you're, you're at pick 27. Realistically yeah. – I don't think the Bills are going to have more than maybe 15 players with a first-round grade. And I'm not including the quarterbacks. Uh, yeah. They might have a first-round grade on, on those on a few of the quarterbacks, but they're not taking a quarterback. They have Josh mm-hmm. Allen. Uh, they're, they're set there. They're not going to do anything crazy uh, at quarterback. So 15 guys they might have a first-round grade on. Could one of them fall to them? Yes, it happens every year. There's someone that falls where the Bills have a, a high grade on them. Uh, but we saw last year they moved up two spots to get Kyrie Elam because they said Elam was their last player with a first-round grade. If they just yeah. stayed put, maybe he falls to them. But if not, they're taking the uh, second-round value in the first round or trying to call and make a move when maybe they're not successful in doing so. So if I'm Buffalo, I'm comfortable at 27 saying there's a good chance I'm not going to get a player with a first-round grade. I'd rather be able to get two guys that I had a high second-round grade on in round two 
mm. uh, and and develop those guys and and maybe end up being all the wiser for it. Yeah, because he cause it, or in it, he actually um, traded down with the with the Rams to get thirty six six and sixty nine, selected um, Darnell Washington um, mm-hmm. at, at thirty six, and then he actually traded the the last actual second round pick mm-hmm. fifty nine and um, one three seven the fifth round for number fifty two to pick up um, to pick up Jack Campbell. So it, it, it makes sense. I mean, most people probably think that's almost like wasted why did you not just take take him a little bit earlier but it, it's all about how as you say having to work with the picks that that we have even if you want to put throw in a few future picks or or anything like that but it's always interesting to see especially at anywhere that from like 22 onwards when you're in the actual playoffs easier harder as you say to figure out where you got your grades on your first round and can you get anyone that's borderline first at say 27 to 32? Yeah. It, it, you have to play the draft board and, you know, Brandon Bean's going to go into it with an open mind in terms of trading up versus trading down. There's no doubt in my mind on that. Uh, <clears throat> but you only have so many opportunities to get these game changing players. He said it at the end of the year conference. I don't want to be bad enough where I'm picking in the top 10. Sometimes it's not that you're bad enough. You land these trades that you end up inheriting really good picks like the Eagles ended up doing, like the Seattle Seahawks ended up doing. This was a team that made the playoffs last year and they're, they're picking at number six. So if, if Richardson falls, for instance, maybe they, they end up taking him because, Hey, you know, we like Geno Smith, but we give him a short-term deal. It's nothing that we're tied into long-term. And if Richardson, someone we believe in, we're going to be in the playoffs for the next decade plus, and, and mm. we're never going to be here again. But they could also say we can get a generational player like Will Anderson. We can go out and get a, a special type of pass rusher. Teams that make the playoffs, like you said, it gets harder and harder because you're not usually in that top half of the draft. It's just savvy trades sometimes land you there. And maybe the, the Bills can do something where they trade down, and they're not going to end up in, in getting a first-round pick next year from a team. Uh, at 27, don't get me wrong with that, but they could end up getting some really good quality prospects, some day two guys, three day two guys that could come in and be immediate contributors and then be starters long term for this team. That might be better than just staying put and getting um, two guys that maybe end up being really good because the difference between the number 25 prospect in this draft and the number 55 prospect in this draft is usually not a wide margin, believe it or not. Uh, mm. So at that point, you got to start thinking, if I can get extra picks, I'm open to it unless X player falls. And that might be a yeah. certain wide receiver. It might be a tight end. Uh, it could be something on the defense side of the ball, too. Um, we, we debated last night between Nolan Smith, um, a, a, an edge rusher that has all these special intangibles, uh, and Darnell Wright uh, for the Bills. So there was some talent available to them at that point, but. Trading down, if the Bills are able to do it, I think this is the year to do so. Do you yeah. um, do you still think that there's any possibility? There's a, that we're obviously talking a lot about the options for trading down. Um, there's still obviously quite a bit of rumor um, going around on Bills Twitter about particular certain trades that might see us try and head up the board 
um, if there's any particular players available. I've heard Ed Oliver mentioned as a name um, that is potential for being traded away to move up to get someone and move up in the draft. Do you see there being any possibility for that kind of move? You know, trading up in, in general, I think it's possible. I just don't think that they have the ammo to move, move up extremely high. Ed Oliver, as good as he's been at times, um, any team that trades for him is taking on a $10 million cap hit. So that's kind of the, the first knock and the first hard sell. Uh, and two, you're you're getting a rental player. You're getting someone that's under contract only for this season. So if you were able to trade him, I don't think you're going to get much for him. Now, if the Bills packaged him with pick 27, do I think they could get higher than pick 23 or 20? Yeah, absolutely. They, they could get uh, higher than that. But he's a guy that you, if you trade him, it might be straight up for another player where maybe there's some uh, the cap considerations, the cap hits kind of offset one another or they're close to one another. Uh, team that's hung, you know, they, they need that hungry defensive tackle that's going into a season. Th- where they're trying to get paid. And I, I do believe there's something to that where you get oh, these yeah. <laughs> guys in the final year of their deal. And all of a sudden I'm not sitting saying that some light bulb comes on. They and want I the money. Know, I, yeah. <laughs> and I don't want, I don't even want to say that they're trying hard. I'm sure they're trying hard those first four years too, but man, they want that money and they're going <laughs> oh, yeah. to do whatever it takes. So that's, that's it, a bigger motivation yeah, than anything else. There's, right? That's right. It's huge. So, there might be a team that sits there and says, okay, even if it's a rental player, we think that he could be a disruptive force for us and and be a game changer, at least for that one year. So I, I don't think he's a player that's going to move you far up the board, but he's a guy that you could end up trading because you get that cap relief. And as solid of a player as he's been, he hasn't played up to that number nine overall pick draft status either, mm-hmm. um, where – you know, unfairly, he was being compared to like an Aaron Donald. But Aaron Donalds are, are not common in the NFL. <laughs> These undersized guys that are just game changers. He, he's had some good moments. He's had some really good games. Tell him every mm-hmm. game's a Thanksgiving game. I feel like he always shows up on Thanksgiving games. So convince him every game's Thanksgiving, and maybe he'll put together this monster year where uh, the Bills or another team have to pay him big bucks next year. Yeah. Ryan, can I just just a, a, I suppose a general question. What's your sense of the I suppose the depth of quality in the draft this year? Because the, the, I mean, you know, much more than me, I'm sure. But the sense I'm getting that there seems to be a, a relatively small number of those really you know big impact superstar type players. But I get the sense that there's a sort of flatter but longer curve going on, that the, the quality tends to go through rounds two, three, and four, even if the very top <laughs> talent doesn't seem to be quite there this year, doesn't seem to be quite as many household names. Is that a is, is that accurate, do you think? Yeah, I think that's very accurate. Uh, I think it's weak at the top of the board. I think both of the top two quarterbacks that are, are going to probably go one, two in this draft class, there's questions about them, their, their size, their frame. Um, and they're, you know, they're not a sure thing. No quarterbacks, a sure thing. Mm. People looking back at the 2018 draft thought that <laughs> the, the Allen pick was a head scratcher and was probably the worst <laughs> yeah. of, of the quarterback picks that round. And yet looking, looking back, he's clearly established himself as the best one. Lamar Jackson obviously is up there too. Uh, but he's dealing with, uh, his own issues right now, trying to get a new contract and everything else. But you know, that's the beauty of it. It's not a superstar heavy draft. I think there's some really good edge rushers, um, some really good offensive linemen. 
This is the deepest tight end draft. Like I said, I think it's a solid running back draft. Um, there, you know, I'm not saying you're going to get a superstar in the middle rounds, but you're going to get a guy that can come in and be that 500, 600 yard, um, number two back or that rotational back. If, if right. you have a, uh, multiple backs that you try to get included. I think there's some really good players there. Wide receiver, it's not superstar heavy, but I think that round two, round three, there are some guys that uh, could you can end up looking back at and saying, you know, maybe round two was better than round one. Kind of like the draft, you know, you, you've had your DK Metcalf, your Debo Samuels, these guys that fall into day two of the draft, and they're superstars now. And there's those round ones that just kind of uh, flame out and don't amount to much. So. I, I think you could. There's some really good guys like a Josh Downs comes to mind to me. Yeah, um, that wide receiver and, and and there's others too. And there's a lot of smaller guys, um, smaller frame guys that I'd have concerns about in in terms of injuries, but guys that have breakaway speed that have shown some talent to uh, create separation. So I like that. Pass rusher. There's some really good guys at the top. That's that's some strong players there. Um, but it falls off of a cliff after, yep. you know, four or five, six guys, maybe at most linebacker for what the bills are looking for three, four guys, maybe in terms of potential immediate starters there. So that's worrisome cornerback, three or four really good guys early on. And then a, a lot of players with traits that you can develop um, really weak safety draft. Um, thank goodness. The bills still have Micah high Jordan Poyer and now <laughs> Taylor rap is the number three. I think Brian Branch will be a first-round pick uh, out of Alabama, but it, it's it's a really weak safety draft. If you need yeah. a safety, you're either going to have to get Branch, you're going to have to hope that one of these guys kind of develops and turns into a decent player because it, it's extremely weak. So, yeah, I, I think the, the value are in the middle rounds of this year's draft. Right. So from the top 30 that are being reported that mm-hmm. happened and all that, we obviously – the bill is bills doing their due diligence as you said earlier in the um earlier show with going through tape getting to know the prospects and all that with that breakdown could it give us a clue as to what what they can do in the draft and could they double dip down in the position because i think we've had what really about four or five wide receivers about four or five uh defensive tackles because mm-hmm. we do know that brandon beams known to draft someone who has had a visit with them yeah, yeah. Uh, every first-round pick that the Bills have made under this regime has been a top 30 visitor. Now, 2020 and 2021 were COVID years. There were no yeah. top 30 visits. But uh, Josh Allen, Tremaine Edmonds, both top 30 visitors. Ed Oliver, top 30 visitor. Kyrie Elam, top 30 visitor. Uh, so it really matters, first of all, at, at the top of the board. So, I, you know, going through some of these names, I have it right in front of me here. Mozzie Smith, defensive tackle, Michigan. He's a guy that's in play at 27. Uh, Darnell Washington, obviously, uh, Jordan Addison, Zay Flowers, um, Jackson Smith and Jigba. Um, you could make a case for Jalen Hyatt. I think he's one of those really good day two players where he has that game changing speed. I have questions about him in, in terms of being a, a first round pick, but definitely someone I would take in round two. Um, Darnell Wright. Those are the definite clear cut. Oh, and and Osiris Torrance as well was the top 30. I don't know if if he still is high on their needs list after adding a few guards this offseason, but those are all first round players. And and there are still about 12, I think, uh, top 30 visits that are unknown. It's very Mm -hmm. possible that whoever they take 
might not be reported at the time of the draft. And then we find out oh, they were a top 30 visitor, but yeah, yeah, they, they have a tendency to take those pre-draft visitors high. James Cook last year was a top 30 visitor. Uh, Dawson Knox, top 30 visitor and a private workout back in his draft. And they took him in the third round. So there's a lot of weight in that, but there's also these late round guys every year that they kind of bring in uh, and they look at, and they usually draft one or they sign one as an undrafted free agent. Uh, Jalen Weidermeyer last year was a tight end out of Texas A&M. Didn't stick on this roster, but he was a top 30 visitor. Uh, mm. And he ended up signing with the team after the draft. So there's even those late round guys. I'm looking at a, uh, I want to say it's Jacqueline Roy out of LSU, a defensive tackle. He's more of a day three pick. Yeah. Marte Mapu out of Sacramento State, safety linebacker type of player. So, you know, they're not all going to be top 30, top 60 picks. They're trying to find mm. these guys that they, they're going to draft in the middle rounds, uh, guys that they're going to want to sign as undrafted free agents. These There's a, some safeties that are day three picks that they've met with. I don't think they're going to necessarily want to spend a draft pick on a safety, but there might be someone that they say, Hey, we like their traits. We can bring them in. They can compete for safety for maybe if DeMar Hamlin gets the, the, you know, the, the green light, I think he's their clear cut number four safety. Yeah. Um, but, but depending on what happens there, there might be a competition for that last safety spot and you want a special teamer and you could bring someone in, but you could also bring a guy in as an undrafted free agent saying you might not make this roster, but we're going to put you on our practice squad and Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer, they're both on short-term deals, and we're going to need someone. Taylor Rapp, short-term deal. They might re-sign him after the year to be a starter for them long-term. But there's, mm-hmm. you know, there are two safety jobs that are going to be available here in the near future, and we want to develop you. So that's the beauty of these top 30 visits. It's not just all guys at the top. They're, they're looking at guys that they can draft day two, day three, and then sign mm-hmm. after the draft. Yeah. And – I know that most people in Bill's Mafia on Twitter are obviously saying that wide receiver, O-line, um, linebacker, probably one of the biggest needs on there. But I know people are also saying, and I know it probably is a sneaky need, that defensive tackle, you're really going to look mm-hmm. at that as a need because you've got all f- all four defensive tackles on one year, on their last year, well, yeah. one year left on a deal. And obviously, you've got safety on there. I mean, though, could you say that they are probably the most sneakiest um, needs? And maybe we see a safety or a defensive tackle actually go in round one or round two. Yeah, I, I don't think safety just because of how weak this draft is. If they take um, the, the Alabama linebacker in round one, I just, you're not going to get him on the field, and you're, and you're at the same problem that you had before. You, you have a top one through three. But I think you add a guy in the middle rounds late in the draft at safety. But defensive tackle, yes. Uh, round one, round two, it wouldn't shock me. You, you just said Ed Oliver. Final it was guaranteed, his, right? Yeah, <laughs> final year of his deal. It's going um, to be an edge rusher. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it probably will be. Fans are going to see a few you know, shiny weapons sitting there or a good tackle, and they're going to go defensive side of the ball, and there's going to be an uproar. But, you know, Amazi Smith, I, I'm not mm. as high on him as others. Um, <clears throat> he was called a a version of Don Terry Poe with, you know, not always as competitive and Don Terry Poe had a fine career, but he's not someone that I'm saying, Oh yeah, let's go get our Don Terry Poe in here. Uh, he wasn't this great, great player, but Mozzie Smith. Yes. He he's in play. There's a lot of guys because you know, Tim settled Daquan Jones, these guys are, they're all in the final years of their deal. And 
no guarantee they're going to come back long term. I would love to see them extend to Quan Jones. I thought he was great last year. I know he's a little bit yeah. older, but he was outstanding. I don't mind him being here for two, three more years. Tim Settle disappointed, to be quite honest. I was very high on him from what I saw when in his time in Washington. I thought that he fit in really well with that uh, defensive line. It was all first rounders that started for Washington, but he came in as a rotational piece and he looked the part. He looked like a guy that they drafted in the first round at times. And he just wasn't that for the Bills this past season. So maybe he has a really, you know, bounces back this year, uh, gets a bigger role, maybe sees more snaps with the team. But yeah, that that's definitely the sneakiest need for me is defensive tackle because again, you you're not just thinking this year; you're thinking next year mm-hmm. and the year in two years down the road, and they're going to need someone at that spot. Yeah. So the last couple of questions um, on there: um, Do we see a well, we've probably already covered it just now on there with the uh, potential taking defensive end. But do you see any sort of surprise on on draft day for the Bills in the front office actually throwing out um, throwing out any smoke screens? They're going to throw out a lot of smoke screens. Um, they always do, and a lot of teams do to their credit. I mean, I can go back many years where they were reportedly trying to move up for Quinn and Williams. Now looking back, that would have been fantastic. Um, but you know, there's r- reports about them trying to move up to two or three to get them in that draft that they ended up getting at Oliver. And um, there, there's always these moves that get talked about, but Brandon Bean's going to sit there with, and they have a very good front office. Uh, they're going to play the board. And if trading up is the move for them, they're going to do it. They're going to, well, they're at least going to explore it. They're going to make calls. They're going to try to do what they can without, uh, giving up too much value. Um, but th- this year, honestly, I don't think they're going to have a head scratching pick. And for some people, maybe defensive tackle would be a head scratcher, but it's not. It's really not. Even an edge rusher, as much as I'm not a fan of taking another edge rusher after they whiffed on some guys, <laughs> they do one need, of, one you know, yeah, one of them bound to work out. But, you know, you're, you're without Von Miller for probably half the season, I'm guessing. Hmm. Um, older guy. I, I know he's he's working hard at rehab. He came back early that last time, but he was a lot younger the last time that this happened to him. It, it's not hmm. as easy to come back from these injuries as you get older. So they need someone opposite Greg Rousseau. And yes, they they re-signed Shaq Lawson. Lawson was a very pleasant surprise. Boogie Basham saying all the right things about knowing this is a make or break year. AJ Epinez is coming off of some career highs. They could end up signing a pass rusher after the draft. But if that's not their plan to get one of those pass rushers, yeah, it might be a pass rusher in round one, uh, a guy like Nolan Smith if he falls into their laps. And if it happens, I I understand it. I'm not thrilled with it. I think that uh, you saw in the Super Bowl this year, you can have a good defense like Philadelphia did all season, Mm. but you're going to have to score high 30s, low 40s to win a Super Bowl. So for me, it's attack the offense, get that tight end, get that wide receiver, get that offensive tackle. Or if in the case that a B. John Robinson falls, fine, go after it. Get those special players because you yeah. need to be able to put up points, regular season playoffs, and Super Bowl. Mm. And the final question is, um, who are your draft crushes and who would you um, bang the table for being to draft? So like say one from day one, one from day two, and one mm. from day three. Okay, day one, I'll, I'll give you Zay Flowers and Darnell Wright. Those are both guys I would be thrilled with at number 27. Uh, day two pick, I really like uh, Luke Shoemaker. Uh, am I saying his name right? Out of uh, Michigan. Yeah, Michigan yeah. tight end. I like all of his intangibles. But again, 
there's guys in round four, round five that you can get in here. And I, I wouldn't be opposed to the Bills passing on tight end. Uh, I don't necessarily have a, a day three draft cut crush right now. But what usually happens is there's a guy that I think will go a lot earlier. They'll be sitting there early on in day three. And then you'll see me on Twitter pounding the table saying, go and get this guy. Um, last year, you went earlier than I thought. Cornerback went to Seattle. Loved his intangibles. Terry uh, Woolen. Yes, Woolen. I, I had him in a few of my mock drafts. And he had transitioned over to cornerback. He was a wide receiver. And I said, I mm. get it. I know there's not a lot of reps, but the makeup, the, the athletic score, it's off the charts, the size, um, at cornerback. And sure enough, you know, he, he showed out and he looks great for Seattle. Uh, so th- there's going to be someone that falls that I'm going to, I'll be pounding the table on on social media for sure. That's all right. With me, with me, it's, um, it's the Pittsburgh running back Israel Akabanda. Oh, okay. He's, I like he's him. Mine. Yeah. He's a, he's, Damian Harris, he's a Damian Harris type player. He's actually got good pace, good speed, a bit of power in him. He's only 20, so room to grow. I think and, and with do. Harris, there's injury concerns. So yeah. bringing in someone that has that skill set that's a rookie, by all means. Yeah. But no, thank you ever so much, Ryan, yes. for, for coming on the show. Very yes, much um, appreciated. And obviously, we'll hopefully... See you in London for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. can't wait. <laughs> well, better, get, better get in the queue for tickets. I think it's oh, gonna no, be. Gets, uh... <laughs> him and he gets get, get I'll fine. be in the press box. Uh, I'll be in the press box. Okay. I'm okay. Well, you, can, you, you can try to let us in somehow. Uh, he gets yeah. a free pass to our event. I have a feeling, have a feeling it's going to be tough. But, no, <laughs> but guys, no. my pleasure though. Love coming on. Love chatting with you guys. Always a good time. Cool. And you, just Ryan, for really obviously people who yeah, haven't mm-hmm. followed you or still don't follow you, where can they find your work and um, and where can they find you on the socials? Yeah, uh, you can find my work at nyup.com and syracuse.com. You can find me on Twitter at Ryan Talbot Bills. Uh, that's generally my handle on all the social media sites that I'm on. So you can you know look for me elsewhere as well. Uh, Shout Podcast, you can find us live on YouTube, usually on Wednesday nights. We have a live show on Saturday. Uh, at a restaurant called Wingnuts up in Buffalo with Joe Biscalia talking all things draft. And if you don't want to watch live, you can find us on any of the major podcast platforms. Awesome. So thank you very much for, for listening to the show. Obviously follow all of us on our, um, on our socials, follow the UK bills on, on the socials and for Robin, Mark, Ryan and myself, Matt, it's good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Thank you for listening and let's go Buffalo bills. Go bills. Yeah, no, 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 no. You don't know anything about work. You don't know anything about work. Huh? That's who we are. Bills on three. One, two, three. Bills.